Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. We've got Pastor Kong and Pastor Sun this week, touching on the topic of relationships. Well, today we come to the grand finale of our series on relationship builders. How many of you have enjoyed this? Yeah, yeah. Let's start today by going to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's all read verse 8 and verse 9 starting now. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. In every marriage, and again, church, we are pitching it to the highest. The most complex of all relationship is the marriage relationship. If you can handle marriage relationship, you can handle any relationship. But I want to say, this is not only for the married people. This is also for the relationship you have in your family, with your parents, with your children, with your brothers, your sisters, with your colleagues, your bosses, your church mates in the house of God. Now, in every marriage, there will be conflicts and there will be disputes. We could operate on an insult-to-insult mode. You insult me, I will insult you back. Insult for insult. Now, the Scriptures say you can do that. Or you can go higher up and you say, no, I'm not going to trade insult for insult, but blessing for insult. I can move in that mode. And then it says in verse 10, can we read verse 10 and 11 together starting now? For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. That means we must learn to handle conflicts well. Now, all marital conflicts and all relational conflicts, for that matter, can fall into two types. Those that can be solved, we had talked about this last week, the solvable problems, and those that cannot be solved. That means they are perpetual. They will forever be a part of our lives. Now, for example, you want to be more involved in ministry, in church, but your wife doesn't. Or you want to have children, but your husband doesn't. You are a homebody who likes a quiet weekend, just you and your book, but your wife loves noisy weekends where all the siblings and relatives can come together for fellowship. You feel that your husband is flirtatious, that he stares at women in parties, but he feels that you are overly sensitive, you are needy, you are clingy, and you're possessive. Couples have perpetual problems when they're arguing over the same issue again and again, year after year after year after year. Now, remember what I told you last week. We don't have to solve all our perpetual problems for our marriage to thrive. You don't have to solve all your major marital relational issues in order for you to have a happy marriage. But when a perpetual problem becomes serious, all right, when it becomes what? Serious. That means we are feeling rejected by our partner. We are condemning each other. We are becoming contemptuous. And the moment we argue, we discuss, we start condemning. Or we are unwilling to compromise. Or we are disengaging ourselves emotionally. There's now a distance in your heart toward each other, then we can't laugh it off anymore. 
We can't ignore it any longer. This problem is critical to the happiness of your relationship and to the survival of your marriage. We have what is called a gridlock. A gridlock, all right? That means we are stuck. A gridlock means that you are stuck and you are caught in a frustrating uh, situation when you cannot move forward or backward. There is no progress that can be made. So what is a gridlock again? All right, when we are stuck in a frustrating situation where no progress can be made. And the way to cope with an unsolvable problem is to move the gridlock to dialogue. Now listen to what Sanja said, moving from gridlock to dialogue. Yep. All right, everybody say this together. Say gridlock to dialogue. Gridlock to dialogue. Five times louder. From gridlock to dialogue. From gridlock to dialogue. We must learn, church, we must learn to talk about the problem without hurting each other. No criticizing, no condemning, no screaming and yelling at each other. To deal with a perpetual insolvable problem, we first have to understand its cause. You know, the issue can range from serious to ridiculous. Serious like having a baby, a child or not, relocating to another city, quitting a job, you know, to be a housewife, or to something so ridiculous that you guys cannot agree on how the socks are to be folded. But whatever the issue is, behind every perpetual unsolvable problem, there's always a cause. And the cause always, always stems from a dream that is unaddressed or not respected. I want to say that again. And the cause always stems from a dream that's unaddressed or not respected. Often, our deepest dreams are rooted in childhood or youth. These are the times and the years when our fundamental values are formed and shaped. So when we are married, we long to recreate some of these warmest and fondest memories of the life that we dreamed of. Last week, Sun and I shared with you of one of our many uh, perpetual unsolvable problems. And this one has to do with the fundamental difference we have in terms of our ministry philosophy. I'm very passionate about overseas missions, right? And I'm passionate about sending teams to preach the gospel, to do good works for Jesus all around the world. Sun is more passionate about the local church ministry but when we both dig deeper, we want to know why is there a difference? Because whenever we talk about missions budget, whenever we talk about how, what we're going to do this year as a church, sometimes we get into very intense argument. How do we prioritize? How much is too much when we talk about doing missions? When we dig deeper, we both discover it's really rooted in our upbringing. You see, I grew up in a big family. And my dad had to work really hard. And there are periods of times where he just has to be overseas. And um, despite of the challenges in life, dad and mom really kept their marriage strong and our family happy. And to me, my mom is really a Proverbs 31 woman. She stretched every dollar and she makes sure that all our needs, all the needs of the five kids were being met. So when I became the co-founder, and the pastor of City Harvest Church. I look upon myself as the spiritual mother of this congregation. 
And I modelled myself after my mother, who to me exemplifies a good and responsible mother. So to me, my top priority is to ensure that the needs of the congregation be met. Now, I grew up in a little church. Now, you must remember, I didn't grow up in a mega church. I didn't grow up in a church that's very busy in our local ministry. We meet once a week for two hours. My church only had 60 members. Small little neighborhood church. And in those days, missionaries were looked upon as the ultimate heroes of faith, the superheroes of the Christian life and ministry. I grew up with stories of Jim Elliot, you know? How many of you remember the books like Through Gates of Splendor? I grew up with stories of Hudson Taylor in China, or Watchman Nee, and all my early mentors growing up in the small Anglican church were all missionaries. They were involved in youth, YWAM, Youth Will Mission. They were going here, going there, preaching the gospel. In that generation, in our mindset, in my mindset, the greatest privilege in life and in ministry is to serve the purpose of Jesus to preach the gospel in the foreign mission field. This, to me, back then, was and still is the ultimate expression of the Great Commission. So I spent three years in the Philippines helping my friends doing church planting. And I was going to be a lifelong missionary over there when one day the Lord spoke to me, Kong, go back to Singapore. Start a church in the city. That's why we are called City Harvest Church. Start a church there. And out of this church, you will do missions throughout Asia and you will impact your generation throughout Asia. And that is the reason why missions have always been such a priority for me. Because it's my revelation. It's my calling to do missions. So you see, while Sun and I, in the same church, co-founded this church, we are both serving the Lord over here. Our ministry philosophy seems to be taking us in a diametrically opposite direction. My dream is to be a missionary. Sun's dream is to be a responsible pastor and spiritual mother to our local congregation. Thankfully, we didn't allow this to become a gridlock, a frustrating situation that we cannot resolve, a perpetual problem where no progress can be made. So when we are stuck in an unsolvable conflict, we can feel increasingly hurt, frustrated, rejected by each other. The truth is, Great lock kills relationship. I, I, I want you to say that again. Great lock kills, kills relationship. relationship. Everybody say out loud. Say, great lock kills relationship. Great lock kills relationship. Will you turn to your neighbors in front and behind you this time and say, great lock kills relationship. Great lock kills, kills relationship. relationship. Yeah. But great lock is really a sign that we have dreams, we have hopes, desires, aspirations that are not being addressed or respected. And these dreams are important to us because they give us a sense of purpose and meaning. And without them, we feel empty. We feel that life has no meaning. Now, dreams can operate on many different levels. For example, some may be very practical. I mean, some of our dreams could be as simple as I want to pay off our home mortgage. My dream is to be debt-free. Now, that is a valid dream. Or, you know, I want to save up certain amount of money before I retire. That is a valid dream. But usually, 
something that is deemed a simpler dream. Behind it, if you dig even deeper, there is a greater hidden one. Well, a hidden dream behind, I want to save X amount of money, could be I want to feel secure about my future. Now, other dreams can be more profound. I want freedom. I want peace and quietness. I want to be able to truly relax because life is so hectic, I just want to truly relax. That's a good dream. Or I want adventure. I want to travel and see the world. That's a good dream. Or I want to explore the creative side of me. You know, I have a friend who grew up to be a a top CPA in one of the top uh, accounting firms in uh, Penang, Malaysia. And then 20 years ago, he hit a midlife crisis. He said, no, this is not what I really want to do. I really want to go to Australia. And he went to Australia, found the Lord, and became a pastor. You know? (laughs) Because one day he felt number crunching. I think I had enough. I want to explore the more creative side. Well, my dream is to go back to school and get an MBA. Or I want to serve the Lord. Hey, that's a very, very good dream. So all these dreams are beautiful. They are great. None is bad for the marriage. But they will cause problem if they are hidden and not acknowledged. They are not respected and treasured and honoured by either husband or wife. Then problems will surface. Proverbs 13 verse 12, we know it so well, says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So the longer our dreams go unacknowledged, unrespected, unfulfilled, the more frustrated we become with the marriage. Of course, outwardly we may say, no, 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 it's okay. But yet inwardly, we can feel that our marriage has robbed us of the life that we actually really wanted. So helping each other realize our dreams is a major goal of marriage. Helping your wife, helping your husband to realize their dreams is a major goal of marriage. Proverbs 3 verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Now, this verse is so good. Can we all read this out loud together? Proverbs 3.27. All together now. Do Do not not withhold withhold good from from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. And I want to say husband and I want to say wife. Many times, it is within our power to do so to help our spouse to realize the dream. The more we help to realize each other's dream, whether it's getting a degree, living in a certain kind of home, finding adventure, or feeling safe, the happier our marriage will be. So, the concept of our marriage must change. Guys, the concept of marriage must incorporate and the supporting of each other's dream. In, in my concept of my marriage to son, inside there of all the things that, that we should have, I must have one big chunk of it. Well, I exist in this marriage to support her dream. And she exists in this marriage to support mine. So that means one thing. you got to know what your partner wants in life. So the, do you? Do you know what your husband really, really wants in life? Do you know what your wife really, really wants in life? Right? You got to ask her, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> right? 
And then she will say, I wanna, I wanna. <laughs> First Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. So once we know the dream, once we know the desires, the wants, the needs, the aspirations, the hopes, then all major decisions we make must show consideration. It must show, all right, I have respect for your dream. So when I want to make a big decision, whether taking a new job, whether relocating, whether you know, a big decision that's going to incur a lot of money that will eat into our family's saving, I got to show consideration. I have your dream, your aspiration in mind. Only then will the marriage be meaningful to us. Otherwise, your spouse will feel, you know, son will feel, I robbed her of her life. Or I would feel, she robbed me of a life that I want. All right? Then anger will brew. Frustration will increase. And gridlock becomes inevitable. It's a matter of time yep. where things will explode. So three steps to prevent or solve a gridlock. Three steps. Last week, we talked about solvable problems. Here is how you handle and cope with an unsolvable problem, right? Three steps, simple. Number one, become a dream detective. Become a dream detective. All right, you got to be really be a PI. Okay, you got to be a dream detective. What is the lifelong dream of our husband, the lifelong dream of our wife? What is his hope? What is her desires? What is my spouse's aspirations? Does our spouse have a dream that is hidden inside that is never acknowledged, that's never talked about, or never fulfilled? I mean, obviously, if it's not talked about, it's not fulfilled. Often, once we are married, we think that we shouldn't talk about our dreams, Right? You know, and we should bury them because we are taught that once we are married, we are no longer our own. We must crucify and die to our own needs and wants. And we feel that if we, by holding on to our dreams, we're being selfish and we are not thinking for what is best for the family. But church, what we're trying to tell you this weekend is don't do that. Don't do that because actually, on the flip side, it is going to destroy your marriage. The Don't do yeah. that. The happier you are in a marriage, the more you're doing for your family. Yeah. yeah. A happy man, a happy wife is a happy life. And, and the best thing you can do for your kids, the best thing son and I can do for Dayan is to be happy in our marriage. The best thing you can do for your children is to have a happy marriage. So what must we do? We must talk about the dreams. We must talk about them. Even if we feel that our dreams are childish, even if we feel that our dreams might not be practical anymore since we are now married, if we feel that we have adjusted to the marriage by bearing a dream, we will never be happy and conflicts will be inevitable. All right, conflict example number one. Okay, again, let me say this. Uh, this is not reflective of our lives, but... Since you like to see us fight, conf uh, conflict example number one. Do you know some, by the way, before we get into this example, some people counted how many times you punched me last few weeks, you know. You, 
Yeah. It's very subconscious. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good release of... Uh, Your very angry wife, right? And, uh, yeah, the whatever that I'm feeling inside. <laughs> <laughs> Will you stop being so neat and so tidy? You know, I'm, I, you, you're really a freak, you know, and I, you're just, I'm just fed up by all Can this... Can I punch him now? <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't stand it. And, and you keep on punching me, I'm going to report police, okay? I, I'm going to talk about abuse. You're such a freak, a needless, fetish freak. Me? A freak? What's wrong to want to have some kind of order and neatness in our home? You know, I'm always tidying up and cleaning up your mess. You know, I think that you are a slob. Excuse me? What's wrong with you cleaning the house? Every time you clean the house, I cannot find my things after that. Yeah, right. I don't even know where you put them. You there are such things like drawers. Yeah, right? you, you think you're being neat and tidy. I think you're inconsiderate. You are over-controlling. I can't stand it anymore. I think you should be thanking me. Instead of accusing me that I'm inconsiderate, you say you're tired. Let me tell you, I'm even more tired. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of you and your stupid mess. Now, this will be a perpetual problem because the wife needs tidiness, neatness. The husband doesn't see the value of it. And it probably will be like this for the rest of their lives. But there is a cost, you see. There will always be a cost. And usually, like what Sun says, the cost stems from something in the childhood or in the youth, a dream that is not addressed. Are not respected. So the man grew up in a home where the parents were very strict disciplinarian. The parents took any form of disagreement to mean defiance, insubordination. So he grew up feeling very controlled and he grew up becoming a rebel. Now, his dream is one day to have a life, to have a home where he can be himself. No more rigid set of rules where if he wants to be a slob and he chooses to be a slob, no one can stop him. This is his hope, his desire. He wants to have a marriage where he's not going to feel controlled anymore. Whereas for the wife, she grew up in a totally chaotic family where, she has, where there was no consistency or stability. When she was younger, she never knew who is going to send her to school, who is going to pick her up. And there will be days when the mother would forget or forgot to pick her up and she hated her mother for that. And when she went home, so many nights there would be no dinner at home. So her dream is to provide a much healthier home environment for her kids and her family. So to her, order means predictability. It means security and peacefulness. So when the house is in a mess, it really takes her back to the chaos of the past, of her childhood, and she hates that. So underneath the greed lock, you got to realize that there is a dream for freedom for the husband. You know, he just wants to be free. No more control, no more rigid set of rules. But underneath the wife is a dream for security. So order, neatness, right, for the wife. It's very important. Until those dreams are respected and they are addressed and they are supported, they will be stuck in constant fights. 
and feel very unhappy about the marriage. Are you getting this, yeah? Right? Now, conflict example number two. How about this? Why are you not always wanting to be close to me? You know, I mean, you don't want sex anymore. The last time we had sex was so long ago, I can't even remember when. But I'm tired. Can't you see that I've been working late? You know, I mean, I'm not a sex machine, okay? <laughs> tired, tired. You're always turning me down. Every time I want to approach you, you're always rejected. I'm hurt. I, I feel like you don't want me anymore. You're always tired. We are tired. I'm tired also. But there's, but there's no more romance or passion in, in our marriage anymore. Is this what you want? I mean, you men are the same, right? You men are the same. Sex, 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 sex. That's all you can think about. That's all you want to talk about. But love is more than sex, right? All the women say... Okay, no, stop that. Yeah. Alright. But love is more than sex, right? And I have already given you two kids. What more do you want from me? Listen, sex is more than just having kids, okay? You mean what? You have no urges, yet there's totally no urge in you? Or... I'm not attractive anymore. You don't find me attractive? Oh, are you having a secret affair with somebody in the office? For goodness sake, look at me. I'm working so hard. Honestly, I have no time for an affair, okay? You want to know the truth? Let me tell you the truth. The truth is, it's precisely because of your animal craving for sex that you turn me off, alright? Oh. That is the truth. Okay, okay. Turn to your neighbors and say, he's talking about your friend. <laughs> uh, now, this will be a perpetual problem. The husband wants sex more than the wife is willing to give. But there is a cause. There is a cause. And this, again, stems from Something either in the childhood or in the youth, a dream that's not addressed or not respected. You see, for the wife, she was sexually mistreated as a young girl. So she has no control over it, and the abuse deeply traumatized her. She knows that her husband is not to be blamed for many of the feelings that she had and she's feeling now. And, but she feels that sex is only okay, you know, if it's done on her terms and when she's ready, and when she wants it. So even though there's been a lot of healing and gentleness in the marriage, but because of her trauma, her dream is to only have sexual closeness on her terms when she's ready. So for the husband, his dream is for the wife to initiate sex, not he having to beg her again and again for it. He wants his wife to sweep him off his feet with passion. He wants to feel his wife is totally attracted to him because he doesn't feel he's very handsome. But once in a while, he looks at himself in the mirror, he's not that bad-looking after all. He just, <laughs> he just wants his wife to make him feel he is at least to her, irresistible. So, you know, <laughs> so underneath, okay, underneath the gridlock, it's a hope for spontaneous passion for the husband. You know, and a hope for safety and a certain level of control for the wife. 
And until those dreams are respected, addressed, acknowledged, supported, they will both be stuck in a gridlock, you know, and always fighting and feel unhappy about their marriage. So number one, you got to detect the dream. You got to find out what is the hidden dream. And once you have done that, step number two, only three steps. Step number two, communicate thoughts and feelings clearly and honestly. Remember, many weeks ago, when we talk about relationship builder, number one, communication. You got to talk about it. Be honest, be open. Now, you got to honestly express clearly what is your position concerning this matter. And what does this mean to you? What do you really believe about this issue? How we feel about it? What is our need? What is our want? In order for life to make sense. In order for our life to have meaning. Because we are fighting over this again and again. Obviously, this is important, right? What our dream in life is and why it is important to us. And when we communicate, please, don't censor or downplay our feelings about our dreams in order to avoid hurting our spouse or, in, uh, or, or arguing with our partner. So we want to downplay. Don't do that. you got to be honest. And when our spouse is telling us his or her dream or his or her aspiration, we got to suspend all judgment. Remember what the Bible says, James 1 verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So when our spouse is saying, look, this is why I'm upset. This is what it means to me. You are telling me this. This is what I need. Don't boil. Don't become angry. We must listen the way a good friend should listen. Ah, oh, friendship is the basis for every marriage, for every relationship. The foundation of a marriage is friendship. You are supposed to be his best friend, her best friend. So how do good friends listen? When you are complaining, when you are pouring out your heart, when you are crying, a good friend just listen and listen and listen. Proverbs 15, verse 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Don't rubbish it. Good friends, don't rubbish. Don't rebut it. Instead, we must encourage our husband and wife to explore the dream further. So if we want to encourage our partner to talk openly and to talk honestly, please, don't do this. Don't do this. Dear, I've always dreamed of climbing Mount Everest. What? <laughs> climbing Mount Everest? Come on, come on, come on, son. We can't possibly afford this right now. And look, it's ridiculous. Mount, Bukit Timah maybe, Mount Everest. <laughs> There's nothing more stressful than climbing a mountain. You know, just by standing on a table, I got vertigo already. Then forget it. I mean, if, if you start talking like this, what will your wife say? Forget it. So what happens? The dream gets buried deeper. And unhappiness increases. Now instead, do this. Dear, I've always dreamed of climbing Mount Everest. Mount Everest? But why do you think you want to climb Mount Everest? What would climbing Mount Everest do for you? 
I feel like I want to challenge myself. You know that when I was younger, you know, I was always weak physically. And mom and dad is always so protective, you know, telling me I cannot do this, I can't do that. Be careful, be careful, be careful. So to me, if I can climb a mountain, especially Mount Everest, right, standing at the top of the world, I would just, you know, feel so liberated, you know, and such a sense of accomplishment. Mount Everest. Okay, let's, let's keep this conversation going, okay? Mount Everest. Bukitima? All right. All right. You see, now. Mount Everest. Mount Everest. We don't have to share each other's dream. You know, in fact, if she's going to climb Mount Everest, I'm not going to climb with her. Now, listen. We don't have to agree to the dream or feel like to accept the dream means I got to participate in it. But we must show respect. We must show consideration. So three levels of honoring our partner's dream. I'm teaching you how to do it right now, okay? Three levels. Number one, be understanding and be interested to learn more about the dream. Now remember what the Bible says in Proverbs 24 and verse 3. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. Wow, beautiful verse. Everybody say this out loud together with me. Let's all read this together starting now. Through wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. So, understanding establishes your marriage, your family, your house. By showing understanding. Even if we don't share the dream, be a friend. That's why I'm t we are telling, trying to tell you to do. Just be a friend. When a friend tells you that, that he or she is doing something, it doesn't mean you've got to join them, right? But you show understanding. Be and do what a best friend would do. Listen and show interest. Philippians 2 verse 3, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but for the interest of others. All the more, your husband or your wife. So be interested in the hopes, desires, wants, needs, aspirations of your husband, your wife. Now that's level number one. Level number two, you offer financial support for the dream. If you want to take this a little bit more, you offer financial support. So even if I'm not going to join Sun to climb Mount Everest or any mountain, I can show my support by buying her the equipment she wants. I can show support by chipping in, you're right, uh, to, to get her the necessary training for the mountain climbing. So you can show financial support. Now, level number three, be a part of the dream. Now, this is the ultimate. You can go all the way. This will really enrich your marriage. <laughs> right, that means, you know, Son, I'm going to join you. Okay, we climb together. <laughs> but even if you're not willing to be a part of the dream, simply by honoring, by respecting it, will break the gridlock. It will break the, it will take the sting out of the gridlock or out of the perpetual unsolvable problem. Now, let me tell you in reality, Son and I did mountain climbing. We didn't climb Mount Everest, we climbed Mount Kinabalu. I hated every moment of it. I hated it. We were out at, at, at Kota Kinabalu, KK, just having a leisurely day out after preaching. And then 
In fact, we just did scuba diving and, and son fell sick. So we are out in the bus. We got a pamphlet and in the bus, it's, a, it's those free bus for, for tourists. And they're playing they're, this video, climbing Mount Kodakinabalu. Son, nudge me. You want to climb? You want to climb? I never climbed a mountain before. We went to an emporium, bought some gear, we climbed, and son fell sick. We got to carry her up and carry her down. I said, never again, never again. I'm going to climb a mountain. Hey, hello, because of food poisoning. La. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it, it was quite an experience, right? It's it, was, like, it was quite an experience. It's, it's quite an accomplishment, are, right? We are supposed to reach there before sunrise. We reached there at noontime. There that was, is true. There was one couple... They were in their 70s. We started before them. They passed us on the way up. They passed us on the way down. But we didn't give up. We didn't give up. We did it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> amen. Amen. But I say never again. <laughs> okay, let's recap, son. All right, so let's recap. How to break a gridlock. All right, first... We detect the dream. Step number one. Step number one. And step number two, we communicate thoughts and feelings as clearly and honestly as we can. And the third step is end the gridlock. End the gridlock. Romans 12 verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So the goal is to have the ability to accept the differences between us and our spouse. Establish some kind of compromise. Remember this, guys. Our purpose is not to solve the conflict because it will probably never go away. Remember, we are talking about the unsolvable or the perpetual unsolvable problem. So our goal is to declaw. Can I say that again? To declaw the issue. That means take away the sting, take away the sharpness so that yeah. it doesn't hurt you, right? All right. Declawing. So how to declaw? Precisely like what pastor said, to remove the hurt so that the problem will no longer be a source of great pain between you and your spouse. So the way to declaw is to separate the issue into two categories. Now, look on the screen. There are two circles right now. All right. So the first category is where you put issues that you can't give in to. This is what I call the non-negotiables. The non-negotiables. Issues that no matter what, you can't give in to because by doing so, you will violate your core values. So back to the example. So if the wife have a, a neatness, cleanliness, uh, core value, she's never going to give that up. It's non-negotiable for her. And then for the husband, if, she doesn't, if he doesn't like rigid rules because it reminds him of a controlling past, that will be his core value. Now, our goal, your goal and my goal, is to make this circle as small as possible. Okay? The non-negotiables. We want it to be as small as possible. All right. And then the second category or the second circle is where you put issues that you know and your spouse know that you can be flexible about. And our goal is for this circle to be as large as possible. So, in, in our marriage, the, the longer we are married, there are many things we can be flexible. Only as little as possible, we cannot be flexible. Okay, that is our goal. The greatest enemy of love is selfishness. So, to we are trying to work on a compromise right now. Okay? 
Sorry, son, I interrupted you. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. All right. So let's try to work on a compromise like what pastors say. The greatest enemy of love is selfishness. Yeah. 2,000 years ago when God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, this was His assessment of the whole world. Isaiah 53 verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So it was a world filled with human selfishness. But in a marriage, we know that we cannot be selfish. The Bible says that love does not demand its own way. So we must learn to compromise and compromise with grace. All right, let's give an example. Dear, dad and mom told me that there is a vacant unit in the condominium. And dad says that the seller is asking for a very reasonable price in this market. And you know, you know my heart. You know that I really want to live close to them in their old age. And remember, remember, you know, our kids were having so much fun in their pool. You know, I mean, can we, can we really consider this? I mean, what? You want to relocate? We just stay in this condo for not too long, our own apartment. And, and I can imagine us spending hours in the pool with the kids and my dad. Look, I, you are totally making no sense right now. Why do we need to relocate to live near your parents? This Singapore... Everywhere is so near. Singapore is so small. To get from our house to your parents' house, it's not even longer than 30 minutes. And if you like swimming, there's a public pool just across the road. You can swim all you want over there and it's cheaper. Money, money, money. You know, all you want to talk about is money. You're so stingy in your spending. Why do you have to save up so much money? Do you know that you actually cannot bring any sand with you when you die? Why can't we just try to live a little bit more in the moment? Look, look, look. You and I will not be even having this conversation of the possibility of relocating if it is not for the fact that I've been frugal and I saved. Right? All you do is spend, 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 spend. You know what? You know nothing about managing our finances. Nothing? Spending? All I, I know is about spending. I can tell you right now, we can't afford it. Conversation closed. We are not going to move, okay? Let me tell you, I work just as hard to bring in all the money that we have in this marriage, okay? So don't say that, you know, I'm the only one that knows how to spend. By the way, who is the one that suggested to buy the new car, huh? 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 Listen, it's for your safety. I was very happy with our old car, you know? It was for your safety. It My was for, safety. It was for your safety. My safety. Don't yell at me, okay? I'm fed up all this young at you. Look, My you're safety. always falling asleep behind the wheels. Like, you're always falling asleep and the car has been wrecked already. This is for your safety. My safety. I think you're paranoid. Please, please. I am not paranoid. I am not paranoid. I am not paranoid. Don't raise your voice. I don't, don't, don't. No, no, we are not. We are are getting old. Yeah, sooner or later, everybody dies. You know what? You know what? I've been thinking about this. You know, maybe it's a mistake that I marry you. (laughs) Quarreling is so tiring, right? I feel so drained emotionally (laughs) Now this is a great lock (laughs) A perpetual problem Because the husband considers the wife An irresponsible dreamer Who is always wanting to squander all the money That he worked so hard to earn and to save and the wife accusing him of squashing her dream and, and of, of taking away all the fun and joy of 
the marriage of what family life is all about. How to end the gridlock. Now, you got to turn the gridlock into dialogue. Yep. Can you say it one more time? From gridlock to dialogue. From gridlock to dialogue. So the husband and wife got to talk clearly and honestly their position and what this means to them, right? What this means to them. So the wife, see, she had a very happy childhood. Some of her most memorable memories or moments, united moments, were times where she was swimming with her dad, you know, and eating home-cooked food by her mom by the pool. So all she wanted was for her children, her family to experience that. Now, for the husband, he came from a very poor family. And he saw his grandparents living destitute in their old age in an old folks' home. So right now, one of his biggest goals is that he will never be humiliated one day when he is retired. So one day when he's old, he's not going to end up in an old folks' home destitute like the grandparents. That is why he wants financial security and he keeps saving and saving and saving. So the husband feels the wife is reckless and, ha and has a childish, irresponsible need for instant gratification. And the wife feels that he's stingy and paranoid, <laughs> you know, trying to change it into someone who is always worrying about tomorrow. You know, and when, that, when they dialogue clearly and honestly, they no longer see each other's dreams as threats, but as legitimate, deep desires. So, we talk about the two categories. The two circles, right? What are the issues that they can't give in to? Now, you want that circle to be as small as possible. Alright, so these are the things that the wife cannot give up. The wife must live somewhere near the parents where the kids can swim with their grandpa. For the husband, he got to have at least $300,000 in the savings when he retires in order for him to feel secure about his future. But what are the areas of flexibility? Now, we want the circle to be as large as possible. Right, the wife doesn't need to live in the same condominium as her parents. She's happy to live in a cheaper house, but it must be near her parents and it must come with a pool. Okay, now... And she also doesn't need to buy the condominium or to move out immediately as long as her husband understands and supports her dream. So, the wife just wants to be close to the parents and wants a pool so the grandpa can play with the kids. The husband just wants to ensure that I got some money for my old age. All right? But the husband is also flexible. He doesn't need the $300,000 right away. As long as every month, husband and wife put the money into savings and eventually they reach the amount before they retire. So they work on the compromise. They will both honour each other's dream. So they will buy a condo near the parents, but one that they can easily afford without a lot of stress. So they will use two-thirds of their savings as down payments, and one-third they are put into a fixed deposit savings account. Okay? So that is the compromise. Now, if we follow these three simple steps, be a dream detective, number one. Step number two, communicate clearly, honestly, your thoughts, your feelings. Number three, end the gridlock. How? By respecting the non-negotiable core values and then work out a compromise with those areas we are flexible about. We are able to move beyond the gridlock of the perpetual problems that we have. 
and we can save our marriage and keep it happy. And I just want to say that you know it might take a while for us to bring back that happy feelings. You know because. Sometimes great luck can really be very, very hurtful. You know, and we say things that we don't really mean, but to the other party, you know, it's just unforgettable. All right? You just really cut them into pieces. <laughs> and let me tell you, even us practicing, you know, just what we're going to say, and, oh, it's very stressful. <laughs> Nobody likes fighting. But I just want to say that, you know, we must have faith and patience and commitment to the whole process. Eventually, you must trust God that we can come to a place that we're able to talk to each other in a good-natured way and hopefully with some humor over it, you know, and that you can still have a very happy marriage. Now, as we come to the end of our Relationship Builder series, how many of you enjoyed this series so far, right? Yeah. If we, if, now, listen, I'm coming to the end now. If we still find ourselves asking the question, is there all there is to our marriage? Is that all there is to our marriage? We've been married now for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Is that all there is to marriage? Then, what is really missing is a deeper sense of shared meaning. And this is what we want to end with. Shared meaning. Everybody say shared meaning. Shared meaning. Now, marriage is more than two individuals, each having their own careers, raising up kids, Splitting houseworks or uh, money to save and having sex every once in a while. You know, marriage is more than just two roommates who happen to live under the same roof and hopefully in the same room and every once in a while make love. Friends, listen, marriage is more than that. In marriage, two soulmates become one. You know, and the best thing we can do is to create an inner life together. I want to say that. You know, in marriage, is two soulmates become one. And the best thing we can do for each other is to create an inner life together. So, Sun and I, we are two separate individuals. All right? Two different ministry philosophies. Now, we have, I have my own inner life. She has her own spiritual life. But in our marriage, we must seek to create an inner life that both of us, we share because the two has become one. Now, this is biblical. When God created Adam and Eve, He created them to meet each other's needs, right? We know that. But in their mutual interdependence, well, they have a common purpose. Now, you look in the Bible right now, Genesis 1 and verse 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. So God honoured their individualities. They are distinctive. Male and female, He created them. Adam will forever be Adam. Eve will forever be Eve. They will have their own roles. They will have their own responsibilities, their own goals, their own values, their own vision, their own dreams. But then, look at the next verse. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. So, in their existence as a married couple, there was shared meaning and purpose. Individuals, but they have a common spirit life, inner life, purpose. And creating a shared meaning doesn't mean that you and, you and your spouse must see eye to eye on everything. Now, son and I, we don't see eye to eye on many things. 
You may be surprised, but we don't. Amen. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, Instead, you know. there is a blending. All right, blending. We must develop a life together that can incorporate both our dreams. Therefore, a crucial goal for every marriage is to create an atmosphere that will encourage us to talk honestly. We talk about that a lot, about our convictions, our dreams, our values, our beliefs, and our goals. The more open and the more respectful we are with what is important to each other, the more there will be a blending of our sense of meaning. So City Harvest Church, let us create happy marriages in this lifetime where our convictions our values, our goals, our dreams, our hopes, our aspirations, our wants, our needs are known and celebrated. I love this. Remember, we used to have a tagline in City Harvest Church. We always say City Harvest Church is a place where dreams are fulfilled and success celebrated. And it must be the same for our marriage. Our marriage must be a place where dreams are honored, are respected, are achieved. And our convictions, our values, our desires, they are celebrated. And I just want to leave you with a wonderful poem that I read. It's called The Art of Marriage by Wilfred A. Peterson. And when I read it, I thought, what a beautiful poem. And every line is like a nugget. So here we go. Happiness in marriage is not something that just happens. A good marriage must be created. In the art of marriage, the little things are the big things. It is never being too old to hold hands. It is remembering to say, I love you, at least once a day. It is never going to sleep angry. It is at no time taking the other for granted. The courtship should not end with the honeymoon. It should continue through all the years. It is having a mutual sense of values and common objectives. It is standing together facing the world. It is forming a circle of love that gathers in the whole family. It is doing things for each other, not in the attitude of duty or sacrifice, but in the spirit of joy. It is speaking words of appreciation and demonstrating gratitude in thoughtful ways. It is not looking for perfection in each other. It is cultivating flexibility, patience, understanding, and a sense of humor. It is having the capacity to forgive and forget. It is giving each other an atmosphere in which each can grow. It is finding room for the things of the Spirit. It is a common search for the good and the beautiful. It is establishing a relationship in which the independence is equal, dependence is mutual, and the obligation is reciprocal. It is not only marrying the right partner. It is being the right partner. It is discovering what marriage can be at its best. And for me... I want to bless all of you here with this wonderful poem that I read too. It's entitled, An Uncommon Love by Tara Cox. May you have the love only two can know. May you go where only two as one may go. May the sun rise and set in your bonded hearts and the moon never find you too long apart. May you cherish each other's dreams as your own and turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones. May you brave life's mountains and miles together. May there be no storm your love cannot weather. May you be lovers and allies and friends. May your soul's conversation never end. May you capture on earth what's in heaven above. May your hearts know the rapture of an uncommon love. 
And I pray that we will have the best marriage that anyone can dream of, that our marriage will be heaven on earth in this lifetime. And everyone say, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.